Hello and welcome to another episode of the Secular Buddhism Podcast. This is the first episode of 2023. This is episode number 176. I am your host, Noah Roschetta. And today, I want you to think for a moment about some of the people that you know best. Perhaps these are people, close family members or close friends. And think about them for a moment. And then ask yourself, have you ever noticed if any of them have a natural inclination or a natural tendency to behave in a particular way? And if so, what is that natural tendency? And then focus on yourself. How about you? Do you have certain propensities that you're familiar with? Today, I want to share my thoughts around the topic of propensities and how mindfulness as a practice plays a crucial role in both helping us to notice our own propensities and also to uh, have a more skillful relationship with our propensities once we've identified them. As always, you keep in mind that you don't need to use what you learn from Buddhism to be a Buddhist. You can just use what you learn to simply be a better whatever you already are. Now, real quick, before jumping into the topic of propensities, I want to give a quick year-end review and uh, starting of the year report. Uh, last year was a, a great year. Uh, towards the end of the year, I dropped off a little with the podcast episodes, especially in December. And the main reason is because I attempted to record three or four of them. And for some reason, halfway through, there was an audio glitch that would happen. My microphone would start producing a very uh, skittish sound, almost scratchy. I know it happened in one or two of the podcast episodes in the past. One of them, many of you detected it, and then I had to correct it. Um, but in November, I did a podcast interview on another podcast where someone uh, was interviewing me. And about 15 minutes of that podcast episode ended up being useless audio because of this weird glitch. And for whatever reason, it was getting worse towards the end of the year. So after multiple failed attempts at recording a podcast episode, um, I gave up and I thought, okay, I'm not going to try to record a new one until I can figure out this microphone thing after doing some troubleshooting because I tried several microphones and I have a really nice microphone. It turns out it's the computer. The computer was old. Uh, in computer years, it was old. I mean, it was six six-year-old computer, which again, in computer life, I guess that is old. Um, but it turns out that the port that the microphone was plugged into was not capable of pushing that much data through uh, the speed at which the data was traveling, especially if I had other devices configured and, and connected like my camera and other uh, devices that I've been using to, you know, to interact with the podcast community. So all of that was causing these audio issues. I fixed it by uh, getting myself a new computer. That was my Christmas present. So here I am now, first recording on the new setup. I've already done multiple tests with it, and I don't anticipate having the audio issues that I was having before. In fact, if you're hearing this, it means I didn't have audio issues, and that's why the podcast episode finally came out. Um, so with that, I also want to say with this new year, I have some goals that I've set for how I want to move forward with the podcast and be more consistent 
and schedule out the topics that I want to do rather than waiting till the last minute and then, uh, you know, second guessing the topic that I have and then ending up just not recording because I'm not sure if I should. I'm going to do a better job at that. Um, and because we are at the start of a new year, I think something I want to share real quick with thoughts about the new year. I've always enjoyed um, New Year's resolutions, setting goals. I think it's a fun time. And I think it is interesting that there's so much more excitement at the end of the year or at the start of the new year, you know, to make these big changes. I've often wondered, I wonder why I feel this at yearly intervals. Why don't I feel the same, you know, at the start of every new month and say, oh, I'm going to set new goals for the month or at the start of each week or at the start of each day or at the start of each new hour? Like, we're, why is the line put there for one year? I don't know, but it is. And I know that it's just conditioned, societal conditioning, um, but it is fun for me to think of it that way and then sometimes go all the way down to moment by moment changes and say, well, you know, for this moment, this is my new goal. And that was a moment ago. I'm done with that. <laughs> and I think that plays off of that uh, quote that I often use that I enjoy from Alan Watts, where he says, I'm under no obligation to be the person that I was five minutes ago. So here we are, new year, new you. Um, but I, I do want to emphasize with when it comes to New Year's resolutions and goals, I think one of the unfortunate societal norms that we've been conditioned to believe is that our life and ourselves, we are incomplete. We're lacking. And we get to reset every year and say, well, I'm going to identify these key areas where I'm incomplete and I'm going to try to make myself complete by adding you know, this new goal or this new resolution. And that's a, an unfortunate way to approach these because then you fail the resolution and you think, well, now I'm just going to remain incomplete or uh, lacking or unwhole. And from the Buddhist perspective, you have to remember you are not incomplete. You are already whole. You are not lacking. Um, and from that perspective, approaching New Year's resolutions and, and goals in general, I think can be a really fun, healthy thing. But the key is the perspective of how you view yourself and the relationship you have with your goals or your resolutions. So I like to imagine, imagine you're a cake. The cake's already baked. It's done. The cake is the cake. Now everything else is just icing on the cake. You know, um, the cake is already whole. It's already complete. And it's not that something is missing. It's that something can always be added and something can always be removed. You may have, you know, this layer of frosting or these decorative pieces. Yeah, I don't like those anymore. I'm going to remove those and do a new layer of icing and it's going to have this new design. So you're, you know, you can add and remove and, and make changes, but the essence of the cake is already complete and it's a great cake. That's how all of us are. We are perfectly fine the way that we are. Um, and if you think of yourself that way, what will happen as you add new uh, resolutions or goals? Um, I think it's a more skillful way to approach it because it is exciting and sure we should you know, why not take advantage of the new year as a milestone to say, these are the changes I want to make, but it'll be a much more healthy thing to think of it in that context of, I'm just fine the way I am, but I can go ahead and make these little tweaks and improvements that might make, that might make it a more skillful cake (laughs) 
rather than approaching it from the perspective that we're never whole or complete. I think we get enough of that from societal norms and marketing, right? Like your life is not complete until you own this product or until you can sign up for this service or whatever society, whatever marketing is trying to sell us. All right. The next thing I wanted to talk about real quick is with last year, we added the podcast community using a new app. And I've been very happy with this new format. I've tried multiple. I've tried Discord, Facebook groups. Uh, I've tried different things. And the setup that we have now is the one that I'm I'm actually happy with. And I, I feel like it's, um, for, for me personally, it's easier to engage with with people who are in that community because I can get on there and I can record a, a voice response or I can do a video response or I can type it out. It, uh, it allows for all of that. So I've been happy with it. And in conjunction with that, we have been doing the Zoom calls. This has been going for, I, I want to say, almost two years now where every Sunday at noon, my time, Mountain Standard Time, we have a, a live Zoom call. And the Zoom calls have been pretty consistent. Uh, you know, there may be a weekend here or there that we have to cancel. But for the most part, every Sunday we do these calls. And for a lot of you who listen to the podcast and uh, have reached out to tell me, hey, um, you know, I'm missing the podcast episodes that used to be way more regular, uh, the Zoom calls are regular and those are open and available if anyone wants to uh, listen in and participate in those. Uh, it's been a fantastic tool. Now, I don't know where that goes if it were to be too big. I wouldn't want it to be a webinar, uh, but I like the the closeness that we feel in the group of the people who've been consistent with those calls. Um, but aside from those Zoom calls, because I know that that's not available for everyone based on scheduling or just maybe you don't want to have to interact with a group, the Volley app, the the space that we use to interact as a community, is asynchronous. You don't have to be on at a specific time or anything. There's a lot of good content there. So again, if you're interested in interacting with a community, doing either those Zoom calls or the uh, asynchronous interaction that happens in our community, uh, feel free to visit the website, secularbuddhism.com, and click on community and consider uh, joining that community. All right. Now, the last announcement. I'm working, I've been working for several weeks, uh, months actually, on releasing a course. The reason I want to release an online course is because I have a lot of content out there now. I'll, I'll encounter people who will reach out and say, I'm enjoying the podcast. I came across this or that uh, episode, and I want to learn more. Where do I start? And yes, I have the first five episodes, which are a good place to start. And I have an introductory book, the No-Nonsense Buddhism for Beginners. Those are great places to start. And yet still, um, I think that with the podcast itself, it's hard to give it a structure when there are so many episodes. So um, I thought if I were to take everything that I've ever shared and put it into a format to where these are the most important concepts or topics or teachings, what would that look like? What would that curriculum be? And that's essentially what this course is going to be, the Inner Peace Roadmap. And it's a roadmap designed as a tool to help you navigate the space of uh, learning about key concepts and teachings on the path to inner peace. So that will be coming out very soon, and, and I'm very excited for that. Uh, you can stay tuned for more info on that. Uh, 
All right, today's topic on propensities. Propensities, this is inspired by uh, recently reading Pema Chodron's book, How We Live is How We Die. It's a great book. It's a book on the Tibetan Buddhist teachings on death. And what makes it really fascinating is it's really a, a book on the teachings of life. I think that the teachings of death are really a teaching on life. And even though it has uh, certain topics that may not be uh, make the most sense for everyone, unless you happen to have the Tibetan Buddhist worldview, which many people don't, I know I don't, um, it's still packed with gems of, of little teachings and concepts and ideas, one of which is this notion of propensities. And I wanted to share my thoughts on this because the topic of propensities really stood out when I encountered it. I feel like a lot of times when we start, uh, we enter this path of becoming more aware of ourselves and the nature of our own mind, mindfulness as a practice, one of the questions that arises is um, where does the where does the rubber hit the road? You know, where does this become practical in my day to day living? And I think it would be here at the level of understanding our propensities. I believe that some of our propensities are uh, genetic. And remember, propensities here, we're talking about the natural tendencies or inclinations that we have to behave a certain way. And some of these are genetic and others are acquired through lived experiences or societal norms and conditioning. And um, so rather than focusing on the exact way that we acquired a propensity, I think the important part of this is to know that first, that we have propensities, and second, that propensities become stronger or more naturally inclined precisely because we keep repeating the same patterns over and over. This is very consistent with the Buddhist notion of understanding our habitual tendencies. You know, when, when we talk about the ultimate teaching of liberation, it's often framed that it's liberation uh, from our habitual reactivity. In other words, the, the tyranny of our reactivity or our habitual thought patterns um, govern us. You know, we're, we're almost slaves to our habitual tendencies. And liberation comes in the form of being released from that habitual reactivity. So when there's the stimulus and response, here's what happens and here's how I react to what happens, we, we learn to develop another way of reacting. It's like every time that this happens, I do that. And then with time and practice, with mindfulness, now this happens and now I don't do that. I do this other thing that is more skillful than what that original thing was. That's kind of the essence of this notion of propensities. So knowing our propensities, I like to think of this like a trail, you know, when, when you walk through a meadow, if someone's walking behind you and there's uh, someone behind them, you do this enough times and a trail will develop. Um, or you can visualize the wheels of a, of a cart or a wagon. You know, the wheels will develop a rut. And eventually what was a path is now worn down with ruts and that's the spot where the wheel wants to be, in the rut. It naturally falls into that rut, and that's where it's going to remain. Now, this teaching is not about saying that ruts are bad or that propensities are bad, and we need to get rid of our propensities. It's not that. 
just like on a trail, sometimes the best part of the trail is the trail. And at other times you look ahead and you realize that part of the trail has now crumbled to the point where it makes sense to get off the trail and go around it. And the more people that do that, then that becomes the new trail. And that's just the nature of how propensities work. Um, our propensities are very similar to that idea of a rut. Uh, mindfulness practice helps us uh, to develop new propensities, but more importantly, I would say it helps us to have a better relationship with our current propensities and with understanding not only our propensities, but the propensities that others have. Okay, so the way propensities work, you can imagine yourself, like I said at the start of the podcast, imagine somebody you know and try to visualize what propensity they have. I, I brought that up first because I do think that for a lot of us, it's easier to notice the propensities in others than it is to notice our own propensities. And then adding to that, I think it's easier to notice what we would say are negative propensities rather than positive ones. But th they are both there. There are positive ones and negative ones. So one of the propensities that stood out to me that was mentioned in the book uh, through the example of you know a story and somebody in that story and her propensities, um, the, the verbiage was having the propensity to be bothered. And I really thought about that because I know that I don't have the propensity to be bothered. In fact, I, I would have whatever the opposite is. I remember when, um, when I lived in Ecuador, I was there as a missionary at the time, um, and we would walk the streets, you know, walk the streets and knock on the doors and do the proselyting thing. But I had one of my companions at the time, I remember he would pick up little pebbles from time to time and throw them at me. Like, you know, he would walk behind me and then just kind of toss pebbles. I remember noticing this and thinking that was kind of odd and not really making much of it other than recognizing occasionally a pebble would hit my foot or hit my back. Um, and one day, this didn't go on for a very long time, but enough time for him to, one day he stopped and he said, Hey, and I turned around like, yeah. And he's like, what, what is going on with you? Like, I've been testing this for, I don't remember. It was a, a day or a day and a half, or maybe it was half a day. I, I really don't remember. But it was long enough, like I said, that he, he paused and said, why is this not bothering you? He's like, I was just testing your patience and thought, I'm going to see how many of these pebbles I can throw at him before he, he like snaps and yells back or does something. And I said, oh, I was wondering why you were tossing those pebbles at me. And that was an example of, I, I just don't have that propensity. I have the propensity to, uh, well, I'll get into it in a second. I actually have a propensity to avoid conflict. And I think perhaps that propensity was, being, was overriding any natural inclination to get upset. It's like, I don't want to get upset because then I'm going to have to confront him over this behavior that really, to me, isn't that big of a deal. Anyway, so the propensity to be bothered. Some people have the propensity to be bothered that it's very easy to get bothered about anything because that's the propensity. And again, this could be genetic. It may be that your parents have that propensity. It may be that you've adopted this over time. I don't know. So I think some things are a mix of the two, uh, you know, genetic or, or um, acquired, and some are one or the other. 
Um, another propensity, the propensity to be distracted or the propensity to be uptight or the propensity to be lighthearted and to not take things seriously. There are so many propensities. And I'm sure if you sit and think about it, you can identify some of your own propensities. And again, definitely the propensities that others have. Now, as we identify our propensities, again, I think it's important to understand that we don't need to focus on changing the propensity. Uh, I mean, perhaps we can develop new ones, but rather than making that the focus of the practice, the focus should be on having first a thorough understanding. What are my propensities? And then examining whether or not they are skillful. Should I strengthen this propensity by continuing, allowing it to still remain part of my habitual way? Or should I try to strengthen a new habitual uh, pattern to offset this one? And notice, you know, developing a new one to offset that one is different than saying I'm going to erase this propensity. Remember, propensities, just like ruts in a trail, you, you can't really just erase them. They're there for a reason. Because of time and, and continual use, that's how they've developed. I don't know that it would be skillful to say, well, I'm going to you know, fill them all up now. It just, maybe if you have the ability, but most people wouldn't, you'd be on the trail without the, the means of filling out the, the gaps, you know, the ruts in the road in front of you. So you, the most skillful thing would be, well, let's just move the wheels and the cart and off to the side one or two feet, and now we're developing a new one. That's usually the more skillful way to approach that. And I bring that up because, again, I don't want this to come across as a lesson where um, I'm thinking the way that I am is wrong and the way that I need to be is over there. and I'm going to do this other way. It's not that. It's recognizing this is a tendency that I have. Um, again, for me, my uh, tendency that I've noticed, one of my propensities, the propensity to avoid conflict, has been one that has um, gotten me into trouble over time. You know, my, it's affected my relationship. There was a stage in my marriage where um, I didn't realize at the time that my propensity was such a contributing factor to the poor dynamic that was going on in my relationship. Because again, my propensity was to just avoid conflict. So if a topic came up that was an important topic that probably needed to be addressed, for me, the easy thing was, well, I'll just ignore that. And, <laughs> and it, a, a healthy relationship has to have good communication. So for me, that became a focal point later um, to recognize, well, I have the propensity to want to avoid conflict. So I need to be aware of that and develop a new propensity to be um, skillful in how I engage with uh, topics of conflict. And that ended up making a, a drastic improvement in the, the dynamic of our relationship because now instead of, I, I would notice the tendency, here's the, ten, here's the, you know, an instance, here's a, a circumstance that we find ourselves in. Here's me noticing that I want to avoid it because I don't want to be engaged in conflict. And then here's the new propensity I'm developing, which says, well, then now I have, you know, five hours to figure out how I'm going to bring up this topic and say, hey, I, I, I want to address this thing that was said or done. Um, and that's been a very skillful uh, thing to do. And now over time, because it's been years now that I've, I've adopted this new practice, 
Now I have the propensity to not let things sit too long. If it needs to be talked about, it will be. It may not be in that moment, but it will be probably by the end of the day because that's one of my new propensities is to try uh, um, to bring up whatever needs to be said, even if it's going to uh, cause conflict. So anyway, um, I think the idea that when we understand our propensities, we're not going to look at these and say, oh, the answer is I, you know, this is a good propensity, this is a bad propensity. It's not that. The answer, I think, is always going to be it depends. Just like with the analogy of the trail. Is the most skillful way to track to remain on a trail? It depends. It depends. I, I need to be able to look at my trail and look at other trails next to it or off the trail and examine myself and my abilities. I may say, well, based on the shoes that I'm wearing or based on um, you know, the, I don't know, lots of, lots of factors, right? I may, I may say the terrain on the trail is aggravating the soreness I have in my ankle. So I'm going to walk off the trail because that's just grass. And for me, that would be the right way. Now for someone else, they may say, well, the grass is slippery and the shoes I have don't have any traction. So I will remain on the rocky trail for them. That is the correct answer. So I want to emphasize that because the answer is always it depends. And then we need to look at all the other um, factors that help determine what is skillful and what is not skillful, rather than framing things in the context of what is right and what is wrong, because that doesn't work. You can't say the trail is wrong or being in the rut is wrong or getting out of the rut is right. That may not be the case. It's always it depends. And for me, this is like the difference of recognizing um, that this this practice is about becoming familiar with my propensities so that I can have a more skillful relationship with them. That's like saying, uh, I, I, I want to know what I should do versus I want to know how I can know what I should do. See the difference there? One is about the behavior. Oh, this is this is what you do. You stay in the rut. Or no, this is what you do. You get out of the rut. No, this is saying, I want to know how, I want to know, is it skillful to stay in the rut right now or is it skillful to get out of the rut? That's how we should approach this notion of propensities. I've had this thought with my kids, you know, where I recognize that I don't want to teach my kids what to think. I want to teach them how to think. And with propensities, it's the same. I think the practice starts with noticing and asking ourselves, how aware are we of our propensities? If you had to sit down and list all your propensities, what would that list look like? And then if you sat next to somebody close to you, like a parent or a sibling or a spouse, and asked them to write a list about your propensities, would those two match? Would those two lists match? I think that may be surprising. And if they don't match, rather than saying, well, they got it wrong, I would probably start by saying, wow, I didn't notice, I, I haven't uh, noticed that I have that propensity. Why am I not noticing what you are noticing about me? Because that maybe there are more propensities that you're not aware of, of yourself. So um, then once you kind of have your list, you have your understanding of what some of your main propensities are, then you can look at that list and, and ask yourself, are these skillful propensities? Are they beneficial to me and to those around me? Or 
the opposite. Are these unskillful propensities? Are these propensities that cause unnecessary suffering for myself or for those that are around me? Because if that's the case, then I need to decide, well, how do I engage more skillfully with this propensity? And that's exactly what I had to do when I, when I was able to identify that I have the propensity to want to avoid conflict. I've developed propensities. It's not skillful to avoid conflict, um, at least not always. Sometimes it's beneficial and sometimes it's not. Again, like the example of you know, the guy tossing the little pebbles at me. It really didn't matter uh, for me. But is that skillful? What if, what if he was throwing darts and they're, you know, and now it's actually hurting me? Well, then uh, wh- where do we put that? At what point do we decide this propensity is, is no longer skillful? I need to do something about it. That's all I'm trying to get at here. Um, okay, the, uh, another propensity that I have noticed, well, with this propensity of wanting to avoid conflict, it's affected me at stages in life where I needed to make di- difficult decisions. And it was like, I can make this difficult decision now, or I can prolong it, but then it'll end up being a much more difficult down decision down the road. I've had that happen to me before, all because I just wanted to avoid the difficulty or the conflict that I probably should have done back when I w- first could have made that decision. And I'm sure some of you will relate to that. Um, I also have the propensity of being very trusting. So if you, if you were to take, you know, not just your propensities that you would say are negative propensities, because some of those negative ones can have good positive results. And, and the backwards is true too. A propensity that you might say on the surface, well, this is a really good propensity, but you look at it and realize there may be times that it's also unskillful. So Again, one of my examples here, my, my propensity to be very trusting of people has benefited me probably way more times than it's ever cost me, but it has cost me a time or two. I've been, um, there, there was one occasion where someone came to my car, this is when I lived in Mexico, and they wanted to put a new seal around the door where the door, when, you know, when it closes to the car so that no water gets through, um, they they just came by saying, oh, we're, you know, we're fixing the trim and we'll do all this. And I asked him how long it would take and how much it would take. And he gave me a price and I thought, you know, yeah, go ahead and do it. So I thought I'll, I'll help him out by giving him this work while I, you know, while I was going to go into the store to do the shopping. So I, by the time he's done, um, I realize the way he's starting to phrase things like, well, we're almost done with door three. Um, I noticed, I think he's, I think the price he gave me, he's trying to make it so that that was the price per window now. And you have the front and the back and the two sides. And so it's like four times more than what I was thinking. So I asked him and he was like, yeah, of course. And made it seem like that's what I said all along. And you were dumb for not understanding that. And here suddenly I noticed that, uh, you know, that propensity to be trusting and not get more clarification, perhaps combined with the propensity to want to avoid conflict, had now set me up for a pretty awkward situation, which is he's expecting me to pay him a whole lot more than I was expecting to pay him. And I, I uh, resented that. I felt a lot of anger when I realized I had been duped. Um, so that was one occasion, one instance where I took 
stock of everything that had happened and, and kind of made mental notes like, okay, I don't want that to happen again. So now I work with that specific propensity to be very trusting and I counteract it with the propensity to also be thorough and say, okay, well, this is what I think that you are saying or, you know, what I interpret you are going to do, but clarify it for me. And then I'll give them the option to do that. And that's helped me uh, to overcome being duped because of my propensity to be very trusting. So again, I'm just trying to bring up examples how the thing that is good can also get you into trouble. And the thing that you might think is bad could also be a good thing because then they would have prevented something from happening. Um, so at a time that we often think about new changes like resolutions and New Year's goals and stuff, perhaps one of them can be to have a greater understanding of our own propensities. Then with that understanding, develop a more skillful relationship with your propensities by uh, analyzing, is it skillful? Is it beneficial? Does it cause harm? And where do I need to counteract this propensity? What new propensities could I start working on and developing so that those become the habitual ways? And again, with the ultimate goal here of recognizing that um, we are somewhat trapped or caught up, I'm trying to think of the right word, hooked by our natural tendencies, the tyranny of habitual reactivity, um, the the tyranny of our habitual way of being. What if I could be a different way? Where would that start? And it starts with this, with little changes and then repetitive, making that repetitive, doing that new thing over and over and over and over. It won't close the rut of the old thing, but it'll start to develop a new rut. And then it becomes more natural and more easy to do this new habitual way of doing things because you've done it enough that it becomes the new rut. Um, so that is the topic of propensities. I thought that was a really neat way to frame it and to understand that mindfulness as a practice is about understanding your propensities and to have a more skillful relationship with your propensities and to have the desire to start new propensities, to new habitual ways of being. All right. If you are interested in learning more about Buddhism in general, you can always check out my book, No Nonsense Buddhism for Beginners on Amazon. Uh, listen to the first five episodes of this podcast, and soon you'll be able to take the Inner Peace Roadmap course, and that will be a really good, effective way of guiding you through the core concepts and ideas that lead to a path of greater inner peace. All right, that's all I have for this episode. I look forward to sharing more thoughts soon in another episode on a different topic. Thank you for listening, and uh, I wish you all the best in this new year. Until next time. <laughs>